Jesus, for the Crowders, for, for Brother Michael coming, and uh, just for their hearts, for their compassion um, as, as pastors and, and, and families that are in ministry that know what it's like. And it's so refreshing uh, for, for myself, for Cammie, I know, as well, uh, just, to get, just to get fed. And so thank you. And uh, you're, you guys all stand as an example of what it means to be compassionate and, and gracious, so I'm so thankful for that. Uh, but uh, this time, uh, for the last time today, but just a reminder, uh, the Ashies will be with us tomorrow as well. Uh, so you guys, for last time today, make Brother John welcome, and he's going to come and preach for us. Blessing to be here. I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, thank you, Pastor Bryant, again for for having the vision to put this on. Thank you, uh, thank you, all the folks that worked and cooked and took care of things. Uh, thank you for the accommodations. Thank you for uh, the uh, honor of uh, just being part of this. And um, you know, uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's uh, been a kind of a, a refreshing day for you. I know uh, there's tears. There's laughter, and uh, you know God has a plan. He has a purpose for for each and every one of us. Our um, text is going to be Job chapter number twenty-three. Job chapter number twenty-three. Find the book of Psalms. Go back one more book in the book of Job, and um, chapter number twenty-three. Um, like I said this morning, our son Johnny was profoundly deaf, and that caused my wife and I to have to learn a new language, right? I mean, we had to learn sign language uh, in order to communicate with our child. I mean, that's just what we always thought. And it's amazing how many people that have children that are deaf that don't learn sign language. Um, but Joanne and I, we uh, went to different churches and took classes. Uh, and I, I'd always learned enough sign language just to keep up with Johnny. And Joanne wanted to get a little bit deeper into the sign language, so she went to a local college that had a sign language program. And um, uh, she was in a class uh, with a bunch of ladies, and one of the requirements of the class was that you spent time with a deaf person. You had to spend some time in communication with a deaf person. Well, there was a lady in the class that Joanne got to know, uh, and she didn't live too far from our house, and she asked Joanne, um, could I come over and spend some time with Johnny and, uh, and just talk with him and fulfill that requirement? And Joanne being the wonderful lady that she is, she said, of course, come on over, but she never checked with Johnny whether or not that would be okay. Well, um, she, the lady came over on, in Johnny's mind, the worst possible night that she could have come over because Johnny loved the show Rescue 911. That was his favorite TV program, and his mother invited this lady over on the night that Rescue 911 was on. But it was okay because it was before the show started. And like I told you earlier, Johnny was a clock watcher, right? So the lady came over, and we were having, uh, yeah, they were having conversation back and forth, and Johnny was very cordial. And, you know, it's not like Johnny knew a lot of the signs. I mean, you know, he was at the time maybe seven years old. And so um, uh, they're talking, they're talking, and Johnny's watching the clock, and it was about five minutes to eight. Rescue 911 is coming on in five minutes. Johnny walked over into the kitchen, took her coat off the back of the chair, walked back into the living room, set the coat in her lap, walked over to the front door and went, 
She did not need to know sign language to get that message. Rescue 911's coming on, and it's time for you to go, you know. But uh, that, was, that was funny. He knew how to get his point across, amen. But, uh, but it was a blessing, and uh, I thank the Lord. Uh, Brother Mabe, thank you. Thank you for being transparent and open and honest. That was a blessing. That was a blessing. So here we are. We're at the last message of the conference, and uh, uh, praying and praying, Lord, Lord, what should I preach? What should I preach? I just want to be a help. Because I believe, I believe what, what I'm about to speak on is something that everyone, a place where we have all been at one time or another in our life. What do you do when you can't find God? What do you do when you can't find God? Job chapter number 23 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter and my stroke heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he, th- he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Back in 1995, many of you may remember this, there was uh, Timothy McVeigh and his, uh, and his buddy Terry Nichols detonated a homemade bomb in the back of a U-Haul truck in front of the uh, Alfred P. P. Mara building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And uh, I think there was over, um, there was 168 people that were killed and over 600 people that were injured. And there was a daycare in that building where many of the people that were injured were children. And the guy that used to call me John the Baptist, my boss, came up to me the day after that happened and said, where was God? Where was God in all of this? If he's a loving God, if he cares about all that goes on in the world, if he if he loves people, why would he allow this to happen? You know, a lot of people asked very similar questions when 9-11 happened, didn't they? They wanted to know, where's God? Why, why did God allow this to happen? And it seems like a reasonable question to ask to an unsaved world. Where's God? I got news for you. He was in the same place he is right now. Amen. God hasn't changed. He, hasn't, he didn't go anywhere. He didn't leave and uh, turn around and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. No, the Lord knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going on. But... but uh, You and I, as the children of God, when tragedy strikes our life, when heartache and pain comes into our life, a lot of times we'll ask the same question, won't we? Lord, where are you? Where are you in my pain? Where are you as I'm going through this? As we pick up our our text that we are reading here, Job's in a very dark place in his life. He's in a very dark time. He hurts. He's, he's, he's going through heartache that, that we can't even fathom. We can't even fathom what he's going through. He lost all his wealth. He lost his health. He's now sitting in ashes uh, from the top of his, uh, covered with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. You know, we don't know how long all this has taken. People say, well, the book of Job uh, covers a, a year's time. I don't know about that. All I know is that the Word of God tells us that it's been at least months that he's been in this condition. 
He has been suffering. He, not only, not only um, uh, emotional pain, but physical pain from uh, the boils that he's covered in, right? And, and in Job chapter uh, 29 and verse 2, the Bible says, uh, Job speaking, he says, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the, street, uh, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me. When his children were still. So we know here that this situation has been going on for, for months. He's in a, in a terrible place in his life. His, he's weary of his condition. He's weary of where, where he's at. He's weary of his state in life. And then his friends come to comfort him and then accuse Job of, of sin in his life. And that's the reason why you're going through what you're going through. Now I'm sure everybody that's here today, including myself, You've been to a point similar to this at some point, hopefully not to the degree that Job was. But there was a time in your life, you had enough of your pain, enough of your heartache, and, and you want, you were at a place in your life when you, you want a meeting with God. You want to have a sit-down talk with the Lord so that He could help you, He could go over, and maybe, maybe we have this desire that He would explain Himself to us. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? A time to pour out our complaint before Him. We struggle with the idea that God loves us. God loves you with a, a perfect love, a love that's beyond anything that we can understand. But then there's our pain in our life and the hurt and the, and the heartache that we have. And sometimes those things are hard to reconcile. You know, God, I know you love me, but why are you allowing me to hurt this bad? If you love me, you could have prevented this from happening in my life. We struggle. We want to find God, but we can't seem to find him. Remember now, Job lived in a day before he had the written word of God, like we do today. Uh, most people believe he lived back in the days of Abraham. So everything that Job knew about God was either through personal experience or verbal record from someone else that had experienced the things of God. But what we do know is that Job desired a meeting with God. And then when God does show up, <laughs> God doesn't answer any of Job's questions. And then Job has no answers for God's questions. All right? You know, there's been those times in our lives where we wanted to find God, talk to the Lord, ask Him our questions, yet it seems as though He's abandoned us. He's nowhere to be found. Well, here in chapter 23, we get an outline for Job, for, that Job gives us from his grief that you and I should follow when we come to those places where we're scratching our heads and saying, Lord, where are you? Where are you in this situation? First of all, come with your complaint. Again, in verse number 1, it says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words that he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Hey, come with your complaint. Job's pain was great. He acknowledged his pain. He knew that the Lord was the one that could help him. He wanted to lay out his grief before the Lord. He wanted to know where he could find God. 
He wanted to hear what the Lord would tell him to comfort him and to encourage him. He knew that the Lord was the source of the strength that he needed to face the challenge that he was in the midst of, to face the pain and to face the heartache that he was dealing with. I believe he, didn't, he did not believe that God would, God would um, uh, condemn him, but that God would strengthen him. You know, when we're dealing with great pain in our lives, we need to acknowledge our pain. Acknowledge our pain. Psalm 40 and verse 1, the Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. You know what? You and I need to cry out to God and acknowledge the pain that we're going through. We've been conditioned not to acknowledge our pain. Brother Crowder talked about it, uh, uh, the, the fact that, that, that he stuffed the pain, right? He stuffed the heartache of, of, of losing a child, losing that baby. Uh, he stuffed that down and, and continued on and going on in his work and, and, and burying himself in his job. And now that he had to come and speak about this, years later, now he's got to drag all that up. Things that had never been dealt with before. Child of God, listen to me. You've got to acknowledge your pain. You've got to acknowledge your pain. Admit that you hurt. Don't hide it. Don't stuff it. You know, <clears throat> you know it, it, when, when we see each other and, and you know somebody's going through something and they come in the door of the church and you ask them how they're doing and they say, oh, I'm fine. You know they're lying and they know they're lying. And what do we do? We just walk away. Friend, we need to be honest. We need to be honest before God and honest with one another. You know, the church, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So that puts us in an offensive posture. So we are moving ahead as the church, taking ground, hopefully, uh, from the devil, fighting against, and the gates of hell should not prevail against us. And we are constantly in a war, moving forward in the battle. But like any war, any battle, people get wounded along the way, don't they? And what happens is, is our military has a slogan, leave no one behind. Right? Why is it then that God's people go forward, keep moving forward, someone falls by the wayside because they're wounded, and we don't stop and minister to the one that's hurt. We just keep going forward. Got the mission, we got the job to do, we keep going forward. Friend, we need to be people that are willing to not only admit that we hurt, but help others that are going through. Leave no one behind. We must be willing to pour out our complaint before him in our brokenness. I said this earlier. Jesus is the healer of broken hearts. Uh, Luke chapter 14, or chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible tells us the Spirit of Jesus is speaking, and he's reading from the book of what we call well, the book of Isaiah, what we call chapter 61. He's in the synagogue in Nazareth. And he stood up to read, and he says, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the broken 
hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The Bible tells us that he, he hands the scroll back to the leader of the synagogue and he sits back down and all eyes were upon him. And Jesus says, this day, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus says, hey, that quote I just read from Isaiah, it's talking about me. It's talking about me. I am the healer of broken hearts. I am the Messiah. I am the one that have come. Again, I talked about this last night. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Yes, but he also came to heal the brokenhearted. To help you and I. To heal us in our pain and our heartache and our suffering. He has come to save the lost, but also to heal the hurts that you and I carry. But friend, he cannot heal what you conceal. If you want to hide it from God, you want to hide your pain, you want to hide all those things, then friend, don't expect Him to heal your pain. You've got to be willing to admit it. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, this is killing me. I don't know that I could take another step. When Johnny, after Johnny passed away, man, I, I couldn't, it was hard to breathe. I hurt so bad. I thought I was losing my mind for a while. I actually went to the doctor because I thought I was going crazy. I, hadn't, I knew nothing about grief. I knew nothing about it. I learned about grief as we were going through it. But, but friend, we got to admit that we hurt. We have to admit. We have the knowledge today that the Lord is with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? We have that promise of the presence of God in the Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. You know, this has really been kind of a theme, hasn't it? That, that, that the Comforter, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to remember, uh, your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. That is the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Holy Spirit of God, which dwells inside the believer, will comfort us in our time of trial. We don't need to look beyond the presence of God in our lives to know that He is in the midst of our trials. Thank the Lord for the sweet Holy Spirit. When we want to know what the Lord has to say to us, man, today we've got the Word of God. He'll speak to us. He'll speak to us through, his, through the Bible, amen. We spend time in the Word of God. He will speak peace to our situation. When Johnny was born, the Holy Spirit led me to the book of Job. This is where I've got the most comfort out of all the Word of God. It's my favorite book in the Bible. It's kind of a, kind of a deep book, and it's kind of a, a hard book to follow at, at, at certain points. But you know what? Job was real, man. He was real. He, he, he poured out his complaint. Amen. He, he let the Lord know. He wasn't afraid to tell his buddies, hey man, this is what I'm going through. This is the heartache that I'm feeling. This is the pain that I'm feeling. And you guys are nuts because as far as I know, there's no sin in my life. Amen. You guys, you guys are accusing me of something that I haven't done. He will direct us in the word of God and give us exactly what we need when we need it. If we cry out to him. We may not get the answers we're looking for. Amen. But he'll give us what we need. We'll learn again that he can be trusted through our trials. When we come with our complaint before him, we know that he hears us. He hears us as we cry out to him. We know that he is with us and will comfort us. We have direct access to the throne room of God through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
We can talk to God the Father. We don't need to go to a priest. We don't need to go to somebody else to intercede for us. Jesus Christ intercedes for us. And as we cry out to God, we can go straight to the throne room and the, the Lord will help us. We have the privilege of prayer to lay out our complaints before the Lord. Then come seeking after God. Look at verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward that I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job did not know the presence of God in his grief. He did not know where the Lord was, but he searched for God. He wanted to see God, yet he could not find him. He may not have been able to see God, <laughs> but he knew God saw him. Amen. He knew that the Lord was, was, was watching him, and the Lord was watching over him. He knew that the trial that he was facing also had purpose to refine him. To refine him. Even though we have the Word of God, we have prayer, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, sometimes we still wonder, where's God? Where's God? And that's, my friend, when we need to go on a search. Have a desire. Have a, have a burning desire for the presence of God in the midst of our problems. Far too often Christians give up. They give up on God when they go through a trial. They give up on uh, the pain and the heartache comes in there. Well, God, if that's the way you're going to treat me, then I'm just going to give up. Oh, friend, you can't give up. Again, not able to reconcile the love of God and our, and, and our pain and unwilling to trust God through it. Seek after the Lord. Uh, Psalm 42, verse 1, As a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Even though we know that the Lord is with us and in us, we need to dig into the Word of God and spend time in prayer seeking for a touch from God. Begging God for a touch in the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our pain. We also need to live with the knowledge that though, <laughs> though we may not see Him, Friend, he knows exactly where we are. He knows what we're going through. Nothing's catching him by surprise. He knows what's happening in our lives. Boy, isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a comfort to know that the eyes of the Lord are always on you? But it's also a convicting thought, isn't it? Well, I guess it all depends on the inflection in your voice. Oh, it's so nice to know that God is always watching you. God is always watching you. Amen? It's a convicting thought. It's a convicting thought. It's a comforting thought, yes, but it's also a convicting thought because he knows what you're doing. He knows what you're up to. He knows what you're thinking. Amen? He's well aware of whatever it is that you're going through. He's not a God that's afar off. He's a God that's close. There's a purpose to your pain also. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The Lord has a different perspective <laughs> on our trials than we do. He looks at things a little bit different than we do. God is working his plan in us. Our pain is not in vain. Our pain is not in vain. He's developing us into people that he can use for his divine purpose, conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Not only developing us, but like I said earlier this morning, 
building our faith and working and in, in, in making us, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, developing our, our faith, but also working on people that are around us, those that are observing us, friends, family, and those that, that know what we're going through. The Lord will purify us, and someday, my friend, we will shine like gold. Amen. And then come with a confident testimony. Look at verse 11. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his words, of, of the words of his mouth, uh, more than my necessary food. Job knew that he was in right relationship with God. Job chapter 16, verse 16, My face is foul with weeping, and my eyelids of the sh- uh, is the shadow of death. Not for any injustice in mine hands, also my prayer is pure. In verse 19, he goes on and says, And also now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. See, Job was self-aware of where his walk was with God. He knew that he was walking with God. He knew that he was walking with God before the trials ever came into his life, and the heartache and the pain came into his life. God's testimony of Job. God's testimony of Job was that he was upright. Uh, he was a, a, a perfect and an upright man, one who feared God and eschewed evil or avoided evil. That was God's testimony of Job. He knew he was walking with the Lord. He walked in the path that the Lord laid out for him. He obeyed the Lord's commands. God's word were, were, words were more important to him than his daily food. Hey friend, do you have a confident testimony today? Are you confident in where you are in your relationship with the Lord? Are you self-aware in where you are in your walk with God? When trials come into our lives, do we ever stop to consider, maybe, just maybe, the Lord is trying to show me something that I might need to get either in my life or get out of my life? That God may be trying to bring some conviction in my life, get me to wake up and to see that this may be the chastening hand of God, to correct me, do a course correction in my life. You know, the Lord will allow things into our lives to bring us back into right relationship. You know, I blame myself for Johnny's uh, disabilities when he was born. Like I said earlier, I was saved at 19 while I was in the military, and I, 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 I did, you know, my life changed, and God was working on me, but I never got in church and, I, and never got baptized. So I never really committed the way I should have, all right? And so what happened? I ended up going back to my old lifestyle and running with my old crowd and doing the things that I used to do. And then I got right with God when Joanne got saved years later. Under conviction, like I said, all the time. And I blame myself. You know what? It's my fault. It was my fault that all these things happened to Johnny. It was my fault that he was born, these things. You know, I was just like Job's friends, right? I was blaming myself for the condition, that, 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 the things that had happened. But just like Job's friends, I was wrong. I was wrong. God wasn't punishing me. God wasn't punishing Johnny. God was blessing me. He was blessing us with a child. God, that, 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 that he could use for his honor and his glory. You know, we should always do a self-evaluation when trials come into our life. Amen? Like I said, is there, is there a need for a course correction, Lord? Is there something that I need to change in my life? 
But if there's nothing between your soul and the Savior, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that God's got big plans for you. He's got something. You can look to see what the Lord may be doing in your life. Have confidence in knowing that He's doing a work that could never be accomplished had you not gone through your trial. He's doing a work that could never be accomplished had you not gone through whatever it is you're going through. Amen. Because that's, like it's been mentioned several times, that's when we get serious about our walk with God, if we're smart. If we're smart, we do. Hey, what's our attitude towards the Word of God? Are we living in obedience or are we living in rebellion? Do we esteem the Word of God more important than our daily food, like Job did? Man, in times of trial, you need to run to the Word of God. Do not pass gold. Do not collect $200. Amen. Run to the Word of God. Get to the Bible. Get in the Word of God. Beg God to show you something. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Friend, the Word of God, Word of God will bring you hope. Word of God will help you. Is the Bible a priority in your life? And then finally, my friend, come in contrition. Look at verse 13. But he is in one mind who can turn him. And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore I am troubled at his presence. When I consider, I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off from before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. Job acknowledges that God is in control. Amen. The Lord's in control. His circumstances were in the very will of God. Man, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. God appointed Job for the trials that he experienced. Even though Job wanted an audience with the Lord, now all of a sudden he's afraid when he thinks about being in the presence of the Lord. Before he's troubled because he can't find God, now when he thinks, okay, I'm going to get in the presence of God, wait a minute, that troubles him even more, amen? Uh, <clears throat> he was a, he, uh, fear had taken hold of him. Job wished that he had died from the womb. In Job chapter 3, he talks about, why didn't you just let me die? If this was going to be my lot, why didn't you just let me die? But again, folks, God's been using Job's testimony for centuries to encourage people that are going through trials. Encourage people for what they're going through. He kept them alive to face those dark trials so that he could be an encouragement to us even today. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Things that happen may not be good, but we'll work together for good. You know, a lot of times I think we look at that verse and say, well, not, this isn't good, this isn't good. When, when Johnny was born, and I, I, I told you this morning, I had to go in the waiting room before the doctor to come in, and the doctor came in, he talked with me, and finally I got to see Joanne. She was in recovery because she had a C-section, and I walked in there, and our eyes met, and we began to weep, and we began to cry. And she said, how can something that hurts this bad be good right i mean re referencing romans eight twenty eight, but that was an honest response 
Hey, friend, I can look back now. Man, it's all, the past 36 years have all worked together for good. It's all worked together for good. But there were some situations that weren't so good. The pain was there. The heartache was there. But you know what? God's word is true. God's word is true. And he has worked all things together for good. You know, even when we're at odds with the Lord, he will work to bring us back into fellowship. He will, in many situations, uh, his will in many situations is not immediately seen. We have trials that are appointed for us. You know, <laughs> a lot of times we, we think that, well, God, you chose this mountain for me. No, friend, God chose you for that mountain. He chose you for that mountain. Say, so, well, it's just semantics. You're just changing. No, 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 think about it. Think about it. Only you can reach the people that are in your sphere of influence. And he knows what mountains he needs to appoint you to so that you can influence those people by how you react, by the power of God. God has a, a work and a will for you and I to do. Do you believe that today? If you're saved today, friend, God's got a work for you to do. More than just sitting in a pew. God has a work for you to do. There's people that you can reach that nobody else in this church can reach. There's people that you can help that nobody else can help. You have life experiences that God's allowed you to go through that God wants you to use so that you can help others go through the situations they're in the midst of. You can be a comfort to somebody else. Ah, Many times we're troubled by the thought of standing before the Lord. You know, it would be all, do us all a little bit of good to get a glimpse of God's holiness, wouldn't it? Think about it, friend. We're all going to stand before him someday. We're all going to stand before him. The Lord has given us a life to live, to enjoy, and to be tested. We are all alive for a particular mission. God has a mission for you. He's got a job for you to do. You need to be surrendered to that. And allow the Lord to use you. None of us are immune to darkness. We're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through heartache. You've heard testimonies of dark trials. But I thank the Lord for those of you that have come and shared your testimonies with us. Of the trials you've been through. And the heartache that you've experienced. And it's a blessing to know we're not alone. Oh, God's with us, and we know that God's with us, but friend, we are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ that can help one another and encourage one another. So what do you do when you can't find God? Come with your complaint. Come with your complaint. I'm not saying you go around life complaining. It's not what I mean, but come before God and say, Lord, here's what I'm going through. Here's how I feel. Even though we may not see God in our situation, we need to cry out to Him. Know that the Lord is always with you and in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Come seeking after the Lord. Search for Him. Search for God. If you can't see Him, get in the search. Get in the Word. Pray. Have a desire for a touch from heaven. Remember that we uh, may not know where He is, but friend, He knows exactly where we are. Come with a confident testimony. Are you self-aware today? Do you have an idea, okay, where you are in your walk with God? 
You ought to. You ought to be honest with yourself, honest enough to know, you know what? There need to be some changes. I need to make a couple course corrections in my life. Or maybe you might say, you know what? Things are going okay. But you know what, friend? If you're not walking with God, as Brother Crowder talked about, and we, we have to walk with the Lord now. Because now's the time to be walking with the Lord before you go into a trial. Because once you're in the trial, man, when you're in the middle of a battle, there's no time to stop and say, oh, excuse me, wait a minute. I, I have to get right with God. You know what, uh, there, was a, there was a guy that I used to go down to Detroit Rescue Mission with, and he was our, the song leader down there. And man, we always had such great times down there. But his son contracted cancer. And, uh, and uh, his son was an adult, he was married and, and had children. Uh, he was probably in his early 30s when he got cancer. And that guy told me, he says, that the, the, he grew up in church, his son did. His son was away from the Lord, and, uh, and now he's got cancer. He was terminal. And he said... The hardest part is me watching my son try to get a relationship with God in the middle of all this. He said, I thank the Lord that he's saved, but now he's got to try to get himself together and try to, try to get a relationship with God. He said it was very, very difficult to watch. Hey, friend, you and I need to be walking with God today. Do you have a relationship with God? Brother Mabe laid out the plan of salvation perfectly for you. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, none of this matters to you. You know, it might just be a therapy session. I don't know. Know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And then, friend, come in contrition. Know that God's in control. Know that God is in control of the situation. Nothing happens to you, child of God, without first being filtered through the hands of a loving God. Filtered through Christ, through Christ before it ever comes to you. Just know that. And may the Lord bless you all. Folks, I thank you for the privilege of being part of this conference. Thank you for all the work that you've done. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I hope you are leaving today having been helped. Having been helped because that is the goal. That is the goal of the conference. Father, we thank you.